Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. We really hope we see you there. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I was drinking differently to my friends. I wasn't drinking in a way that was like, oh yeah, we're just having fun on a Friday night. I wanted to be drunk and I wanted to be drunk all the time because of the way it made me feel. Hello and welcome back to Should I Delete That? I'm Alex Light. And I'm M. Clarkson. How are you, Al? I am good. Look how pretty my makeup looks. You haven't, you haven't said anything. And I've done it really special. Really special today. For me? I mean, not, not for this. <laughs> <laughs> I did it for... I'm shooting something. But isn't it nice? I've got like pinky gold on my eyes and everything. Anyway. You look really nice. Was, I can't... Noted. I got... I, sorry. I can't make my makeup look any different. I have with eyeliner and without eyeliner and those are my two options. I know what you mean because I see the girls on TikTok do it and I'm like, it looks different every time and I don't get I, I, it. Like my sister... Like, yeah, unbelievable. She does graphic eyeliner, doesn't she? And crazy different colours. I'm like, oh, I've gone yeah. to like a slightly different shade of gold today. And by slightly, <laughs> I mean very fucking slightly. Next one over in the palette. Yeah, it's quite hard. It's quite a difficult. I feel like blush is the way to do it. Yeah, see, like you do look beautiful, but you sort of just look beautiful the in the way that you always <laughs> look <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> I'll take I hear what you're saying I hear what you're saying <laughs> there's only so much you can do you know what I mean I accept that um how are you good I'm fine I'm busy I'm thriving I'm fine yeah yeah booked and busy booked and booked, busy booked and busy you made me sound slightly like an escort but yes <laughs> Love booked <it>. and busy <laughs> stressed blessed and well dressed I'll tell you what I am I'm stressed blessed I'm terribly dressed. I'm wearing the same shit outfit that I wore yesterday. I mean, so am I. I rarely change. Home life. <laughs> WFH life, innit? Yeah. I made Rice Krispie Cakes. I saw. I saw I came out of nowhere. But how I had good to stop look? watching your stories because I thought, if she puts a Bake Off spoiler up, I'm out of here. I am out. Do you like Rice Krispie... Oh, no, you can't. No. Rice Krispie Cakes. Got butter. No. But I want cake. I want, like, I want, like, a... Oh, I want a cake. I want, like, a white chocolate cake. A proper... Oh! Cake, like sponge cake. Oh, I'd love a sponge with, with jam and cream and icing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Not, okay. I, I, not even a cookie. I don't, won't settle for that. I want a cake. No, I, I want, want cake. Piece of cake. I want cake. Yeah. I want some cake. I know. I'm not I'm invited so to jealous. enough stuff with cake. I am jealous of Paul and Prue that they get to eat so... Honest, I feel jealous every time they go and try. Yeah, they get to eat a lot of cake. Yeah, so nice. Um, That's my good, that I bake Rice Krispie Cakes. Good, anything awkward? I am. Yes, I. my awkward is that I wet myself. <laughs> I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased you told them that. <laughs> I wet myself. I really did. I really did. But it's like it was the first time. That, like, okay, sometimes when you're laughing really hard, like sometimes it might come out. Like when you were a kid, you know, when you're mm. in school, might might have come out. Mm-hmm. I wasn't laughing. I wasn't. I wasn't doing anything of strength, strenuous activity. Mm-hmm. I stood up and pee just dribbled out of me. Oh god, it dribbled. It didn't even gush. No, it dribbled out of me. Was it the whole wee or just a bit of the wee? Why am I only asking you this now? Because I've known about this for a while. I really took this in my stride, didn't I? When you were like, I weed myself and I was like, oh lol. (laughs) There was no follow up. (laughs) No. (laughs) This is a big deal. I actually pissed myself. It was like, it was a half, half a full wee, but it was such a sad little dribble and I just couldn't stop it. I was trying to be nice. Like I was trying to not care. I was like, oh, that's okay. No big deal. I didn't want to be like, oh, (laughs) point in love at the heaven pregnant woman pissing herself I wanted to be cool about it I was trying to be chill I was trying to make like an inclusive and warm space for you <laughs> thanks thanks you did but I told I, I obviously ran to Dave straight away and was like Dave I've just pissed myself anyway <laughs> that day we had to go and he was you know he whatever I've done worse and that day we had we went to his we went to our nephew's first birthday party on his side with his brother his brother's girlfriend and his mum Guess what Dave does when we arrive there? He says, get out of the way for my pissy wife. He told everyone that I pissed yeah. myself. Of course he did. Of course he did. Oh, of course he did. It's Dave. When you told me just then, guess what Dave did? There was... Obviously Dave did it. Obviously. Like, why would he do that? I was actually because upset at him. I was like, do you think that was your information to share? Like, oh, haha, Al pissed herself today. Like, that's I mean, not funny. I mean, it's quite fair, funny. It's, it's very funny. And it's his baby that that, that caused it. So he's got stakes in the game. Half a right over No. Mostly his fault, I would argue. Um, So would I. But also, Al, you've just told, you're telling thousands of people right now. Tens of thousands. I know, but it's different. And Dave knows full well that you're about to do that. He knew full well. His mum, his brother. They don't need to know that I pissed myself. But they do. But they do now. They do, yeah. They do now. absolute fume at him on the way home Love um that. that was my bad no turn i've got i've barreled got through my chest um yeah yeah so i'm mostly good um a classic awkward so this has happened to us before where we um well okay so i approached today's guest i really wanted to speak to her we really wanted to speak to her given well i've seen her story on tiktok and, and you'll hear from her in a minute she's amazing but when I was reaching out to her, I reached out on Instagram and I did that thing where you go... So I sent my first message and I was, I was planning to send a few because I'm an annoying millennial. And I basically wrote my first one being like, hi, Izzy, I hope you're so, so, so well. Sent it. Obviously, I was planning to send a follow-up being like, we would love to have you on our podcast. This is the stats. Blah, 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 blah. Here are some dates available. 
But she has a setting that more and more people are getting, which is whereby you can't send more than one message to a person unless they accept your invitation. (laughs) So your first message, and you don't know this until it's happened, your first message is the invitation. It's the only message. nothing you can do about it. So I basically (laughs) sent a total stranger a message going, hi, Izzy, I hope you're so, so, so well. And I thought, well, I'll never fucking hear from her because she thinks that I'm about to sell her 500,000 followers on Instagram and give her like a good business plan and ask her to join my pyramid scheme. Anyway, she replied, thank God, but it was uh, How horrible. embarrassing. Horrible. I did it too the week before you learned from my mistake. I, I did it too I, I to another potential guest. And I think... Oh, it's just so gross. It I think really I think gross. it's a default setting now for DMs, for Instagram DMs. I think it's the default. So never, ever send it in multiple anymore. We've just got to go, we've got to go all in one. Yeah, you've just got to put your dick on the table immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I've learned from that. <laughs> Slam it no down. No foreplay. Uh, <laughs> no. Sla- get it out of there. <laughs> well, I love that. Embarrassing for you. Yeah, no, mortifying. Um, And my good is that I'm fine and my bad is that I've got a massive spot on my forehead and that's just that do you know what if you fucking say a thing if you say a thing if you say a thing I'm out no, I'm done no, no, no. you're gonna say so, a thing aren't you I'm not you're gonna, I'm not. You're gonna, say, you're gonna say a thing you're gonna I'm say just, a thing I'm amused because we were together all of Monday right and right. your skin was like completely clear <laughs> like not a thing and then I watched your story the first thing Tuesday morning I was like where did that come from <laughs> That was overnight, wasn't it? Jesus. I feel very self conscious. <laughs> but also, I know. It's fine. It's I on know. the way out. It's not, Alex. It's actually sore. It was throbbing last night. I think it's got a oh. pulse. <laughs> it's really bad. I've had a spot like this for Have years. Squeezed it. It's not ready. It's not ready. It's not ready. Plenty it's the worst when it's not ready. I've been using Compede sticker plasters, which has actually been great. Yeah. Yeah, I've been really rating those. Okay. Nice. But it's right smack bang in the bi- middle of my forehead. And my forehead's fucking massive. A bit of concealer, that would be completely gone. Al, I've got a bit of concealer on. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am ending this. I want to go. I'm sorry. I feel like this is actually my awkward, or maybe yours. I don't know. It feels, it feels, it feels joint. I'm taking my giant on the spot, and I'm leaving. But sorry, I'm leaving I love you. For... You're very beautiful. <laughs> oh, fuck off. Um, but no, we're going to get out the way now because we actually do have a really good episode now. Um, Izzy replied to my message, which was very generous of her, yes. given the situation and um, given my massively <laughs> intense opening line. Um, and she came to talk to us about her own experience of addiction, but particularly within the current climate and the current conversation around addiction. Obviously, really sadly, Matthew Perry died a few weeks ago and I've seen a lot online about um, alcoholism and drug addictions and I've seen a lot of Izzy's videos kind of having this conversation so I thought it'd be really cool if she'd come in if she could come in and talk to us and she did and she was amazing wasn't she we had the best chat with her we love chatting to her she was absolutely brilliant here's Izzy enjoy hi 
Izzy. Hi. Hello. Thank you so much. Last minute episode. Thank you for stepping through. That's Love okay. That. I'm um, so happy to be here. It definitely felt like it was meant to happen. I was looking at TikTok and I, I've actually seen a few of your videos pop up before and I really like what what you're doing to like open up the conversation around addiction and like I think it's really valuable to hear from young women who I don't necessarily think who I'd imagine when I think of addicts but particularly in recent days I've seen the content that you've been making around the death of Matthew Perry and the work that he'd done in um, this like addiction space and to open up that conversation so we thought it would be quite a good time to like have this chat with you now and kind of talk about addiction your experience how you feel like the general conversation is online and in, in real life and all of that so I'm really happy that you came but I guess the place to start would be with with you and with your story if that's okay yeah sure um it's hard to like condense it because it was like yeah. with something like addiction it obviously it's not it doesn't tend to be something that just happens to you overnight you're like whoa I woke up an addict today yeah. it's like something that is um it's progressive and it, it it's a slow burner but actually saying that with me it took me down really quickly and really? like addiction runs in my family which I get a lot of questions that are like do you think you inherited it do you think it's an inherited gene and like we don't know the answers to a lot of those things but yeah I'm the child of an alcoholic who is also in recovery now um so had an understanding of what that was and actually hated alcohol because of that because of my experience with it um and then as soon as I started having it I knew that there was something about it that I was drinking differently to my friends. I wasn't drinking in a way that was like, oh yeah, we're just having fun on a Friday night. I wanted to be drunk and I wanted to be drunk all the time because of the way it made me feel. Mm. To the point where I would like sneak alcohol from my parents' cupboard and like take it into my room and then drink it when no one was looking. And that was like the age of 14, 15. Um, Was some of that me learning that behavior? I don't know, um, from an alcoholic parent or was that just a lot of addicts talk about having that kind of sneaky thing from mm. very from a very young age. But we obviously have this like drinking culture in this country and an adolescent drinking culture in particular. So it's I find it's really easy. I get a lot of people, young people in my DMs that are like, nobody kind of believes I have a problem. And because we expect young people to be out there. Drunk. Drunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm one of four kids as well. And so like that is, it's a experience that we've, that, and they're all fine. Mm. with alcohol and I'm not yeah so I kind of went through that went through school loved going to festivals loved day drinking just wanted everyone to be drunk with me all the time Mm. um and and kind of before that I would say my first addiction was actually I've just always had this addictive personality um which started with starving myself I think in school was like my very first thing was like that I became fully obsessed with and it's all, all of it's this kind of like inward abuse behavior and then lots of other things happening. Parent got sober, parents got divorced, didn't deal with that very well. Lots of other difficult experiences that I went through in my teens and I just had no coping mechanisms. Like I, You don't learn in school how to deal with life, mm. I think. Um, and went off to work, didn't go to, wanted to go to drama school, didn't get in, was like, well, I don't really know what to do now. So went off to work in the advertising world at the age of 18 and it was just too much for me. Like constant drinking constant partying to the point where the anxiety got so much that I was like I'm gonna have to drink during the day in order to get through presentations in order to get through work and so I started drinking in the mornings I started hiding alcohol from my partner I was hiding it in bushes I was hiding it in the toilets at work and you and it starts with something as simple as like I'm really anxious this morning 
Mm. I'm just going to have a little bit to take the edge off. Mm. Which seems crazy talking about it, but as soon as you convince yourself that that's okay, it just becomes reality. It's like, mm. oh, this is normal. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot more people doing it than you would probably imagine. And just things got crazier and crazier. I got arrested by transport police at one point for being drunk and disorderly at Oxford Street Tube Station. I got I got fired from work for falling asleep in the toilet at 10 o'clock in the morning off my face. Really? Um, and it was just all these kind of like, there's war stories after war stories after yeah. war stories. Yeah. By that point, your parent was sober. Yeah. So how was that? How, were you hiding how bad things had got from your family and from your partner at the time when you're getting fired from work and stuff or, and when you were being arrested or was it hard to hide? It was really hard to hide like towards the end. I'd always been, and I have been my whole life, this masker. Like re- found it really easy to be like, I will be whatever you need me to be and that's fine. So I hid, I was really good at hiding things and spinning spider webs of lies. And But it got to the point where it was like, it was really obvious I was sick and different people kept trying to intervene in different ways. So like the boyfriend wanted to help me through exercise and food. And he was like, we're gonna do it through this way. And I was like, I don't think that's gonna work, but sure, let's let's give it a go. Um, my parent who was in AA was like, you need AA. Well, I'm, that's all I have to say about the matter. Mm. Um, and understood that there's this whole thing with enabling, which I think people believe is like, when you're giving people drugs or alcohol, you're like enabling them, but you can enable people by just being there and kind of, like when the addict's on that trajectory and they're about to slam into the floor, you go, no, it's okay, I've got you. And the addict goes like this. Right, yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, but that's that's obviously really difficult for family and friends to be like, so what do I do? Just leave them there yeah, in trouble. Burn, yeah. Yeah. So it's easier said than done. But it was actually when people started going, we love you, we're here for you, but like we can't watch you do this yourself anymore. Like you need you need to want to get help and we will be here to support you when you want the help. Mm. But until then, like we're we're taking a bit of a step back. And that's God, that's a difficult process for everybody involved. <gasps> that but must be so hard. Yeah. For, on both sides, so hard. So hard. Especially for like parents. Yeah. Oh God. And it was actually the day that the boyfriend walked out was the day that I decided I need to get help. Really? Yeah. At the age of twenty one. Couldn't couldn't get to job interviews without being. I was drunk. I was like interviewing at the Guardian and places like this, and I, I would turn up to the interviews drunk. I went to work experience. Dr- I just couldn't stop, um, and it was getting to the point where I was in quite a bit of danger. And the boyfriend, after five years, was like, "Yeah, I can't do this anymore because it's so it's such a rough, horrible place for a partner to be in when you're living with someone with addiction issues." And I passed out on the sofa the day that he walked out because I was drunk during the day. And he was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. And um, the next day I was like, oh yeah, I need help. Mm. Um, and so I begged like everyone around me, I was like, if anyone can sort of, cause I couldn't afford to go put myself through treatment and my parents couldn't really afford to put me through. It's a really expensive process. And part of my message is like why we need better accessibility yeah. for people in terms of treatment, because there's just nothing out there really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, I went to treatment for four months. Um, and started all over again. Wow. Is that, that's the, the kind of the end of that story. So yeah, and then I'm like 21 and sober. Wow. <laughs> Which is like, no, why? <laughs> that's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Sorry. I saw one of the videos on your TikTok and it, or on your Instagram and it was somebody saying, how could your boyfriend have left you? And you were saying in it like, no, how could he have stayed? Yeah. And I think that's a really interesting perspective because it's what you're saying about the enabling. And I think people do have a very 
like philanthropic, idealistic view of how we would deal with somebody in our lives who's an yeah. alcoholic, and we think, well, I I'd stay and I'd fight for them and I'd whatever. But like you say, if you can't, if you're not going to help yourself, there's nothing that they that 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 he could have done. It's literally nothing. And I've learned that now, but having been around a lot of addicts, is that you can be like, please. And as the child of an alcoholic as well, you can be begging them to be like, please, for me, can you stop? Mm. And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, I want to. And you can see in their eyes in that moment, they want to stop, but it's an illness. It it's something, deeper, yeah, it? it's something broken in the brain. And there's brain scans and all sorts to sort of, that speaks out. And Matthew Perry did a lot of work, like talking about that stuff, but mm. that it's not a simple, it's not a matter of willpower. It's not a matter of, um, and we've come a long way in that conversation, I think. I think we understand a bit more but there's still more work to be done mm. in terms of the stigma, for sure. Definitely. And I guess, I imagine it's not always a matter of like hit rock bottom either. Like you can probably hit multiple rock bottoms. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and still not, you know, yeah. work your way out of it because it is an illness. Yeah. And I remember the day I left treatment, still like in denial, like four months in and everyone's like, yay, she's like, okay. And I'm like, okay, guys, but I might drink again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone's going, What? Mm. Um, because I'm still clinging on to the idea that I might be able to drink normally at some point. And I've seen, and there are mm. normal drinkers, there are heavy drinkers, there's all kinds of versions of gray with this. But if you're an addict, I've seen people that have convinced themselves I can have a drink. The girl I shared a room with in treatment, she's no longer here because she convinced herself of that. There are so many people I was in treatment with who had a drink and went right back to where they were. It wasn't really? like oh, like over a few years, I slowly got a bit sicker. It was like, went right back to being mm. ill. Mm. Um, and then we're gone. So we saw it with Amy Winehouse. It was the same sort of situation. Mm. So yeah, it's a scary, it's a scary thing to have to live with. And at 21, you had re you went into recovery mm. and you haven't, that was it. That you, was it, yeah. Which is amazing. And not always the case for a lot of people. It isn't always no. a one one trip fix or whatever. No. Um, yeah, so nine years next year, which is mad. So you never, did you ever drink again after that four month um, rehab? No, I didn't. So yeah, my last drink was February 9th, 2015, maybe. I'm so bad with years. But okay. um, I did have a thing later, like in uh, my first year of recovery with codeine like over-the-counter codeine, which is just what tells me like my brain is just yeah. like, please give me something to yeah. numb out from this. It's not about having fun with substances. It's, it's about something completely different for me. So had a, had a problem with that, which I then kicked. Um, but yeah, otherwise I haven't had a drink since. So I navigate my 20s sober. Yeah, because that's common, isn't it? Swapping one addiction for another, I can't remember the name for it. Transfer addiction. Tra transfer addiction, yeah, that's really common, isn't it? Yeah. Because I do think there is there like there is an addictive brain, isn't there? And they will all it will always seek out that something. Yeah, for sure. Something to like in AA they talk about it being this like hole within you that they tried to fill with a spiritual program essentially, but mm. that you're trying to just fill something up, use externals to fix something internally. And it's like shopping, gambling. Yeah. And I think we all do it to a certain extent. I don't think it's just addicts that do that. We're like, you know, when you feel rubbish, you have a glass of wine or when you feel rubbish, you go spend a load of money or whatever it is. It's just that addicts take it to a completely ridiculous extent no, I just I was gonna ask going back to you said you because you were the daughter of an alcoholic you said that initially you hated alcohol at what point did that change what what switched and, and how old were you when that happened um I would say it's probably right for the minute that I first had it 
because it allowed me to, because I was the child of an alcoholic, the eldest child of an alcoholic, it's very common for the eldest child to be super controlling, super like, I'm responsible for the family. I'm responsible for looking after everybody. I'm responsible for fixing. I'm the parent, essentially. And I was so weighed down by the world at the point that I hit sort of 14, 13, 14. Like there was just, it just a lot had gone on. And so as soon as I had alcohol, I was like, oh my God, I'm free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can see it. Like I can I can see it as you're describing it. Totally. Yeah. You feel like you've got all this burden on your shoulders, all this responsibility. Like you're having to hold up all the pieces of other people's lives. And then you have some alcohol and you're, it's escapism. Yeah. You're taken out of that. You're like taken out of that response. Tight energy is yeah. like gone and I'm like. And you can be the fun one. Yes. Yeah, you're always the sister, the, the sister, the daughter, the whatever it is that's holding everything together and you're always the serious one and yeah. the responsible one. Yeah. And you just get to be fun. Yeah. And, um, and that control, oh my God, it just plagued my life. And that's something I've had to work on for like in my recovery quite a bit. Like, because even when you put down the drink, you then realize like all the reasons you were drinking in the first place. Mm. And so it's been a long process of healing yeah. over the last 20 years, 20 years. <laughs> well, I've just added 10 years of recovery. <laughs> um, over the last nine years, it's been a long yeah. process of healing, but, and that my siblings are like, please, you have to work on this because we're all grown now. You don't need to keep controlling us and like worrying about us. But yeah, I would say that's what alcohol did for me. It allowed me to like drop that mask a little bit. And stop being like, I, I, I'm here to please. I'm here to mm. do whatever needs to be done. And you said you noticed straight away that the way you drank was different to the way your peers were drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more of like a desperate, I guess. Yeah, just loved it. I always describe it on my um, on my social media as like a vampire. Like, you know, when you watch those like vampire diaries or something yeah. and they have like a little bit of blood and then they like, they go absolutely mental yeah. because they're like, anymore, anymore. That's what, that was how it felt. Was like, once I had one, I couldn't stop. And also I behaved quite dysfunctionally. Like, you know, that mate that always, you're like, oh my God, why do they always have to like kick off? Or why do they always have to cry? Yeah, or like, I was either crying, having a fight, being like really cringe or just, I don't know, just, I guess all that stuff that was on the inside that I wasn't letting out was just coming out at Mm. the seams. And like my parents were getting divorced around the time that I started going out as well. So I was, it would all come out when I was drinking. That's really tough. And and you said how things started to become like normal for you. And it's so funny, isn't it? How you, and I, and I think this is across things like eating disorders as well, how you get desensitized to your own disordered behaviors. Mm-hmm. And they just, like if you have, when you gain perspective and you step away, you're like, whoa. But in the time you can like, our brains very easily tricked yeah and it's so funny that you yeah I mean my little sister ended up with an eating disorder at the age of 12 and um like really really bad like had to get a year's worth of help and um I always compare the two because it's like I feel like it's kind of the same thinking and people are like it's not about the drinking it's about the thinking because yeah it's just this same sort of like me and my sister are super similar in the way that our brains work and it's just this like self-abuse stuff and this but also maybe like trying to grab control of something in some way, but yeah. that you you do, you normalize, I don't want to say crazy, but you do normalize crazy quite quickly. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Because it just becomes your normal. Yeah, because once you go to work drunk once, yeah. it's like, well, I did it last week and it was fine, so I can do it yeah. again no one noticed. Or, yeah. Or you and can convince yourself that no one noticed. Yeah, or... and it's always short-term thinking over long-term thinking. It's like, I'll fix today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll fix the fact that I'm dying this morning and I'm so freaked out about what happened yesterday and I'm so like you know withdrawing to the point where I'm shaking and I'm not gonna be able to pick up the phone at work today because my hand will be shaking I'm just gonna have a drink 
and then tomorrow yeah. I'll deal with the fact that I seem to be drinking in the mornings. Yeah. <laughs> Did people notice at work? Or were um, you quite good at hiding it? They would probably say now that they knew. Um, or maybe they were like, she's behaving weird. She's behaving yeah. strangely. But I, because I was in ad sales, there was an opportunity to be out of the office. Right. So I would go to the pub like on the way to a, to a meeting. And then and there were times that I did come back to the office and I did kind of humiliate myself a little bit. Um, but otherwise I was quite good at keeping it under wraps. It was like, but then I guess I, th- I bet they knew. I had water and in, in, uh, vodka in water bottles like on my desk. Really? I would just be slowly swigging. Um, so I'm sure they had some idea, but how do, it's really difficult to pull somebody up on that behavior. Yeah. And I guess this is 12 years ago, right? Uh, nine years ago, yeah. Nine years ago when, so yeah, and 10. especially in the ad world where mm. a lot of socializing and boozing is kind of quite acceptable, isn't it? It's yeah. more acceptable. It was more acceptable then and especially in that industry. So I bet you could kind of get away with it a bit more. Yeah. And that my one of my sisters is still in that industry and I think it is still pretty like, it, it's a party industry for sure. It's a sociable yeah. industry. And I think a lot, uh, you you can kind of get a lot away with a lot more in that sort of industry, but it's not for the faint hearted. I would not go back. No. <laughs> no. To doing no, that. Sober probably. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's not, it's not a great environment for a sober person. No. And then, so your, your boyfriend ended up leaving. What was your relationship like with your friends by this point? If you had been as you say like dysfunctional yeah on the nights out and stuff that was like freak out moment was when one of my friends in particular called me out we'd like we'd gone on a weekend to bristol is it bristol we'd gone to bath to see her at uni and i got a text the next day like i'd been in blackout for the whole weekend i got back to london i drank on the we got a bus home and i drank on the bus home and my friend was like you're wasted why are you drunk like not understanding how i got drunk in the toilet and um I got, I started getting texts from my friends being like, you are unwell, you need help. And then you're like, oh no. Mm. Because you can't continue to hide when people start being like, we know you're sick. We know Mm. you have a problem and we're not going to just sit here and be like, yeah, let's all go out. Yeah. And enjoy that together. So friends did start to call me out and that particular friend, I'm very grateful that she did do that. How did that feel? Was it panicky? yeah and shame yeah like I think one of the biggest emotions in addiction is is shame because you're constantly lying to people where you wouldn't necessarily like I'm not a liar in my life otherwise but addiction turned me into a liar you are constantly humiliating yourself um and you yeah you're just living with permanent shame Mm. so once people start to call it out you really can't run from it anymore I would say. Do you think that can either send you, that can send you one of two ways? You either double down and go further into the addiction or pull out of it. Yeah. Because I imagine that's really hard to face if you have to then face all of, you know. Yeah. That's, that's really difficult. Yeah. Um, and face it's, all your behavior, face all everything that you've you've done. It's Yeah. And I did it painful. at 21. So like there wasn't that much to like, look yeah. back on and deal mm, with but when yeah. you come into recovery at the age of 40 50 60 mm. whatever it is then it's there's a lot to deal with and that's yeah. why in um alcoholics anonymous in the 12-step program they have like an amends process where you have to go and make amends to everybody that you've hurt and that is a oh my god doing that at 21 
teaches you a lot so going scary. to people and being like I understand that I hurt you and I will yeah. never do it again or I'm, I'm gonna try never to do it again yeah. and I, I want to make amends for that um whilst also knowing that they may, might not forgive you and that's completely their their prerogative like you're not going in to get their forgiveness did you reconnect with your boyfriend in that in that way um we kind of gave it um the poor guy he's probably like saying stuff on social media he's like stop talking about me (laughs) (laughs) um yeah like we did we were kind of okay when I got out of treatment kind of gave it another shot but there was a lot of water under the bridge I'd not I treated him appallingly um we were together five years and so he was there throughout the whole thing and so the kindest and best thing I could do for him was let him go um and start afresh and I think we both realized that that was the right thing to do like Mm. you just had that moment we were like oh we're done um and not not in an angry hurtful way but kind of like this is right we're going to be different people from here and I am a completely different person to that that broken person I was then and I don't think it's quite difficult to take a relationship into recovery because you do change so much um so yeah tried to make amends to him um but I felt like my biggest amends was just go live your life and be happy away from me (laughs) imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's interesting what you say about like having to do the amends particularly at 21 but like given what you were saying earlier and it's so true about like the the drinking culture in Britain it's actually probably quite a lot of your behaviour not drinking at work but a lot of your like public behaviour like the blackout weekends like being really drunk with your friends crying, starting fights that's not uncommon in no. teenagers anyway Yeah. so in a way it's like yeah 21 is okay, it's quite okay because it's like well we were all to an extent you know like abusing alcohol but it is wild that we are so like accepting of a mistreatment of what is a drug essentially. And that is the yeah. mad thing it's like until I started the TikTok and actually started talking about it properly. I was like, this is crazy. Like when you think about it, that it is a drug. Cause I never want to come across as judgmental of drinkers because my yeah. whole family drinks, all my mates drink. Um, I'm basically the only sober person in my circles. And so I never want to appear like, okay, but I don't drink and yeah. you all do. And like, sanctimonious. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, Cause my siblings would kill me. Um, but you do, when you start to like understand, there was a particular, there was an interview on, I think, Good Morning Britain, where this woman was like, if you don't have alcohol at your wedding, I'm not coming. And I think it's like weird not to have alcohol at your wedding. And it's a celebration. So like, you're not letting your guests have the choice. I was like, yeah, but like, we wouldn't have that debate about cake though. I wouldn't yeah. be like, I'm not coming to your wedding unless you have cake. Yeah. I think we've kind of lost the spirit of what a wedding is really there. But like, yeah. that's fine. Do whatever you want to do. But it's this, it is a drug. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, like, I'm not coming to your wedding unless there's cocaine. Unless there's cocaine, I'm yeah. not yeah. there. I'm simply not coming. You do not understand. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. I feel um, like that's boring. a really British thing as well, isn't it? Because it's like a British objective to just An get absolutely, well. yeah, yeah, uh, to yeah. just get absolutely annihilated at weddings. Yeah. Although I've had a lot of Australians be like, "It's happening over here as well, guys." Really? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it is a bit, a bit mad because it's also just like it's not even that it's not good for you. Like we're learning a lot more and more mm. about how it's just it's not good for your brain. Yeah, mm. yeah. The anxiety, particularly, it's you know, so the real, men- the mental, especially the older you get. From yeah. just watching like the people around me, I'm like, this is getting worse. Is everyone aware? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're all getting more anxious. Yeah. Um, every time you drink, more hungover. Yeah. But like, I'm not saying that to their faces because I would slap me. <laughs> yeah, have you heard that? <laughs> it's like, shut up. But what's it like having this? So you are having this conversation on Instagram, and you touched on it earlier, saying like people didn't really believe that you had a problem at mm. 21. Mm. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't think we're used to seeing young women in particular. Yeah with addiction problems. I think I get a lot of stuff on my social media, which I hate going into where they're like, you speak nice and you clearly have a house and mm. like, therefore you're, you can't be mentally ill. I'm like, I get it. We can bring, like, we should bring privilege into the conversation because I was, I managed to get treatment because of the people around me. And I'm incredibly lucky that that happened. However, privilege is not equal sound mental health <laughs> no and addiction sure. doesn't discriminate no it's, at all yeah um so uh it doesn't it, it may not mean that you get help for the for yeah. this for the toxic stuff that's going on so um i would say that probably played into it the masking of being like i'm fine i'm okay i'm mm. all good when i wasn't um but age i would say probably mm. interesting as Biggest well that thing. we don't see that many women represented like we did an episode last year with um gamble aware about gambling and we had two female gambling addicts which really felt like unusual because when you picture gamblers you picture like old men at the bookies yeah yeah and it's actually odd i think you probably think of like i think of like frank from shameless when i think about alcoholics yeah or like you know matthew perry or whatever and i guess amy winehouse feels like a different brand yeah Yeah. and it's there's something about this like infantilization of young women about and i find it really interesting like even i'm a randomly fascinated by the Cray twins the Cray brothers don't know why I just mm-hmm. love that legend that film so good watch it all the time is that the Tom Hardy yeah, it's so good oh, yeah, it's so yeah, good yeah. anyway Frankie his wife Reggie Cray's wife I think she was 21 maybe when she killed herself and it was by an overdose and it was like there's something about this like almost glamorization of pills and i don't know if it was like the housewives like that sort of trope of like the housewives like taking valium or xanax or whatever and then it kind of went through on that and then you kind of have like i don't i don't know if britney's was particularly substance abuse but like kind of that crazy hollywood era of like the party girl lindsay lohan them getting arrested obviously amy winehouse dying so it's not that we're not seeing women drinking but it's like we're not giving them the compassion to ever acknowledge that it's a mental health. I don't know. It's really weird. Like, because we're not devoid of those things. We They do exist, but we just don't treat them as addiction. I don't know. Uh, yeah. And I think it's uh, all of those people, even with like Cara Delevingne and like, it, it's that kind yeah. of cool party culture. Yeah. Like, that's what we expect women to be doing. And we expect yeah. them to kind of grow out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because she had those... 
yeah she's had quite public she's very publicly in recovery yeah now. and um, those photos but the, but but the lack of humanity when those photos oh my gosh yeah. that was horrible at the airport yeah 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 and the ones where she dropped the cocaine on her doorstep and whatever and she's just being papped like to death and it's like it's really weird this level of like intensity that we bring to women who are clearly very unwell yeah but we never would just be like oh they're an addiction so we should leave them to it do you know what i mean it's really like, do you think I, it's that yeah, like weird it's... obsession with like the media just love to chew out women and spit them out and just sort of yeah watch them burn yeah crash and burn yeah or modern witches yep yeah it's i find it really i'm i'm really interested in the like current i've been reading since matthew perry died i've been reading his listening to his audiobook oh yeah which has actually been amazing and listening to you speak it's really he what he said about privilege what he said about shame like there's a lot of it that is ringing very true in what you say um but i just i find it really interesting the celebrity culture it's it's so prevalent in it even i don't know if i'm putting him on blast but like liam from one direction who's clearly not very well and still the like intense scrutiny i just find like very interesting and we're not learning we're just watching the same pattern go so like i don't really know what yeah. the question is i but. guess it's like no one's taking responsibility for it because it's like pack mentality. Yeah. Not pack mentality. What do I mean? It's like, you know, you know how if it's like there's a bus full of people watching something, like no one will help. Mm. But if there's like one person watching something yeah. bad happen, that person will help. I guess we're all kind of like watching it. And it's like, well, we're not taking responsibility for it and we're not necessarily giving it the gravitas that yeah. it deserves because it's kind of like, well, what can we do? But it's, yeah, but yeah, we're kind, we kind of weirdly of fascinated by it. Yeah. Yeah, it is really... I, I feel like a lot of that, like, celebrity addiction is kind of a show. And there's a really sick yeah. part of us that kind of what revels in watching people yeah. fall apart. Well, we think it's cool. I don't know. I feel like there is still that glamorization of yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, I'd say even watching the Amy Winehouse, the you know, the final, like, shows that she did... Mm. And she's clearly so unwell. But if you ever look at the comments, everyone's like, Queen, Queen, love her. She didn't stand for any shit, you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But also... Poorly. So she's sad. so poorly. Yeah. Yeah. And we're poorly. still, like, yeah. kind of revering her behaviour. Yeah, like the 27 Club. Yeah. 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 Actually so really true. wild, isn't it? Yeah. I was going to say, I remember those the pictures of Jonathan Reese Myers coming out. Yeah, those were the... Yeah. Was that an airport as well? <sighs> I feel like it was on the street. Yeah. And he was like, it was in the daytime and he was drinking vodka and I think it was all down him and Who's the he other was one carrying it. And I just, it. Is it Gaza? Yes. Always pictures of him yeah. in the street. And I'm like, what are you, that is a really yeah. poorly human being and you're papping them. Yeah. That, where's the humanity in yeah. that? And we, yeah, we don't have any, we're just like, I don't remember there being much compassion around it. No. I don't really remember there being much compassion around all the time. Because like my TikTok was full of Cara Delevingne videos, people trying to get those videos of her. Yeah. Where she was looking really unwell. Mm -hmm. And there were just a lot of comments kind of taking the piss out of her. They did it with Matthew Perry when he was mm -hmm. here in London. I remember did when they? he was he was here rehearsing for a play and I remember being like, Matthew Perry's in London doing a play about addiction because I was in my first year of recovery. He'd written a play yeah. about his experience with addiction and it premiered in London and there were pictures of him. Like, I think he just spilled a drink down his front, but it was like, has he relapsed? Has he relapsed? All yeah. over the Daily Mail, all over everything. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Leave him alone. Yeah. Yeah, because if anything's going to make you. Mm. Since he's died, which is only which is only a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, what have you 
What, how do you think the narrative has been around his death in regards to his addiction? Do you think it's been positive or negative? Mm. I th well, I might be in an echo chamber, must always state that, but um, mm. I think it's been extremely positive. I was shocked by the number of people when I did a, a video about him just saying like, what he did for the addiction community right. and how much he meant to the addiction community. And then people were like, I had no idea about all of this. And I'm like, really? Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. that for me was like him. Yeah. Mm. Um, was that stuff because he challenged the stigma really early on. And there's that interview going around with him and Peter Hitchens yeah. um, where Peter Hitchens is like, addiction is a myth and it's a choice. And Matthew Perry's like, yeah, cool. My life would say otherwise, but, yeah. at, but at the time that was really controversial that he went, oh, actually addiction is a disease. And in the, the um, America have always been a bit further ahead on this stuff than we have. But in this country, it was like, oh, wow. The guy from Friends is on telly talking about addiction and and not, and challenging the the shame that addicts feel, or like getting up there and being like, I'm not ashamed yeah. of that. And that was a huge thing as the child of an alcoholic and then somebody that would later go on to go into recovery. I was like, thank you. Yeah. Um, not hiding away and actually facing it, like challenging yeah. that shame face on. Yeah. Um, and because the this country, America, is full of addicts. <laughs> They're everywhere. Yeah. They're um, your friends or your friend's parents or someone, someone somewhere is struggling with it. And, you know, we continue to incarcerate people that need help. Mm. And there's a, whole, yeah, there's a whole conversation around all of that stuff. But Matt Perry got up and had something to say about it. He said that drug courts would be a really good idea where we would like specifically have courts for people with addiction problems where we would then try and rehabilitate instead of incarcerate. Um, and he set up a sober um, a sober house for men as well. He was constantly trying to move the conversation yeah. forward. So I think it's been really positive yeah. and gutting <laughs> at the same time. I think it's been generally really positive. I guess the the one thing that I've seen is, I mean, we don't know exactly how we die, he died, do we? But I think a lot of people have speculated that it was, he was taking or had taken something. And they're kind of saying that that then negates all of his work on addiction. I'm like, God, no, that just, that's- Does that make any sense whatsoever? <laughs> right, I mean, right. Like, it's no. such a simplistic, like reductive way of looking at all the work he's done. and. If that were the case, if anything, it just shows how much of a disease yeah. it is and how much of a grip it, it has on, on your brain and your and your life. Yeah, that it is an illness and that he just kept coming back. He was like, That's, yeah. just get out of the trenches like one yeah. last time. I'm just going to give this another go. And he just kept giving it another yeah. go. And there's some people that it just doesn't stick. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking and it's, there is no right way for anybody to get sober or get clean. It all depends on what works for you in the end. Mm. Um, but yeah, we can't win every single battle, but he kept trying. I felt that in his book, it's like, it was a really, cause we're so black and white with it. And I do feel like we are very reductive when it comes to the conversation around addiction, because I think there's a lot, it's the same way that we kind of treat like fat people in the kind of like, well, you're just making bad choices or you're just being lazy or you're just, you know, whatever. And we treat everybody as if they've all, we've all got this like exact amount of willpower and we all like use it in different ways. And some of us use it in the right way and some of us use it in the wrong way. And like, you know, we're very simplistic with that, but that, that, that was something. And I, I know a lot of people who've struggled with addiction and something that I really 
loved in his book was that it was so raw and honest in that it was like there wasn't a re- it's not like it is in the films it's not like oh my husband left me and so that's why it all came tumbling down this time or you know I had this like catastrophic thing happen to me and that's why I relapsed he just said I can't cope with life like normal people yeah and it's such a valuable thing for somebody even steeped in privilege and who you would never have imagined and he says it the whole time I'm so rich I'm so famous like and it got me like what and it's got me yeah. so tightly and it's like there was such a it's really hard to listen to at times but like oh, just so it, no. but so beautiful in that it's just so he's it's so self-aware yeah and so just like this and this and this and this and this and it's ugly but it's the truth yeah and I don't think we get a lot of that although now seeing more of it on TikTok actually yeah yeah it's cool like yeah. it's really valuable and I would say that that's the th- nice thing about the addiction community and that I think he would attest to is it's like I don't care what like where you come from who you are we are all the same yeah. we all have yeah. the same thinking yeah um just can't deal with life basically yeah. it's like doesn't matter what your life is you just yeah can't deal with it. just can't deal with life on life's terms um yeah. can I ask you a personal question sure thing. about your recovery do you feel do you feel like you're constantly having to fight it like it is every day at a time you're constantly having to not drink fight against the urge to drink not anymore no not at all not at all I would say that my brain I mean we have these like neuro pathways my understanding of it is I'm not a psychologist we have these like neuro pathways in our brain that the more we practice a behavior the deeper entrenched those become and so I would say I like say to my followers the more you can say no to something the deeper entrenched that pathway becomes Mm. of like I don't need to do this like I can't do this it's like an allergy to me it's like if I'm allergic to nuts I don't eat nuts yeah. I'm allergic yeah. to alcohol. I don't drink alcohol. Um, and these days, like, I'm well, actually quite soon into my recovery, I would say. I'm around drinkers all the time. doesn't bother me. I'm just like, that's just not – I can't do that. Like, I abuse that privilege and it will kill me. Mm. So I'm just not going to have it. Mm. Um, and I don't – like, there are rare occasions. Like, the other day I was on a horrifically turbulent flight. And I hate – I'm really – like, I'm okay with flying, but I'm not a fan of turbulence. And at that moment, I was like, give me a vodka. Like, please. So in moments of extreme stress, Mm. that's when I find that I want it. But otherwise, no. Like, I got married in May and I didn't think about it once that whole day. Thank you so much. Um, Did you have alcohol at your wedding? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my my husband drinks um, like a normal human. (laughs) Uh, Very rarely drinks, actually. But... um, yeah, didn't so not like a normal human. Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not like a normal British person. <laughs> um, yeah, and didn't think about it once the whole day. It, it just, it's just not like a thing for me anymore. Mm. That's great. And yeah. what made you want to start sharing it and making it such a big part of your identity? I guess. Um, I would actually say that. I finally got into drama school and I went to drama school and I did it a bit older than other people. And I had a lot of 18 year olds with me. And so I was like 25, 26. And I couldn't believe how many, not just at drama school, but I couldn't believe how many young people were struggling with this stuff like now. And I thought there's not, I really don't feel like there's a conversation out there about young people and addiction Mm. Um, or definitely not with alcohol to be like, "Mm, sometimes it's actually not, like it's just not good. There are people that it just doesn't agree with and that's okay. And so I wanted to start a conversation. I just didn't know how to do it. And just to be like, this happens. 
Like you can be 19 and have an addiction problem. And I get kids in my DMs that are going to school drunk. Like, wow. yeah, um, it's tough out there. Do you think it's worse than it was when we were kids? I think the world's scarier. I think, you know, we're calling kids snowflakes. We're telling them they can't deal with stuff. Mm. There's not services out there. I would actually say the mental health services were better when I came into recovery and they're worse now. Really? Because um, you can't get therapy. Therapy was a really important part of my recovery. Yeah. Um, waiting lists for like CAMs, the children, adolescent services, mental health services. That People are telling me there's like six year waiting lists for these things. Wow. And like, these are things people are telling me. So like, d nobody, uh, don't shoot the, don't shoot me. But um, <laughs> Don't shoot me. Don't shoot <laughs> me. Uh, but so th th that might not be true. But in some areas, people cannot get the help. And so I'd say it's, I think we've got a really weird concoction of stuff. I don't know if you feel it, but I feel like there's a concoction of yeah stuff the pandemic yeah, yeah. I, f I think the pandemic was really I also think the addiction and I don't know I was always quite not skeptical is not the right word but interested in like gambling addictions because it's not the same thing as like a substance mm -hmm. abuse so like I was really interested in like how it is that we can become addicted to something that isn't causing like a physical reaction in us yeah and I think it's really interesting looking at the amount of young people who are now self-diagnosing or being diagnosed with addictions to screens and I wonder like what and we're, we're probably all addicted to screens to and to whatever but I don't I, I don't know the psychology of like the gambling awareness but it kind of feels like that similar avenue and like that that feels really prevalent and quite worrying like I think the, it's dopamine yeah, yeah. I think it's all dopamine connected and yeah. I feel like there are people out there that are attesting to that that it is dope they're like this is all to do with dopamine in the brain yeah is that this would that be the same for like alcohol as well so all addiction stems from and I guess eating disorders I don't know do they count as Addictions. I don't think so. Less, less so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about science clearly. But like, I wonder. Like the, the more we're exposed to, the more there is to become addicted to. I guess is what I mean. Yeah, and I think there's. Oh God, I've had talks on the brain to do with addiction, but it's like when you start giving it a substance, or when you gamble, when you give it that hit, essentially, mm. you start to break the, the pleasure center in the brain. Mm. I'm not going to explain this very well, so I won't go into it. But that, it starts to like your dopamine levels you need more to get the same level of hit yeah. because you're like, you, your brain basically gets used to it. So you have to do it more and more and more and more. And your more brain more. tries to regulate that amount of pleasure you're getting by giving you the pain, which is what then the urge that comes in for like, I'm desperate, I'm sad, I need more of that, which is mm -hmm. then the pain that gives you the pleasure. And then it's this horrible, vicious cycle. Yeah, horrible. Yeah, and I think like food addiction, I think that's... Yeah, it will be basically the same yeah i would say um, grouped in with it yeah it's horrible yeah, yeah it is and i i believe that the i i just saying i believe i'm not obviously trained in this at all but like the best way is like a complete detox like that's the only way to like dopamine detox mm -hmm. yeah that's so hard yeah it is and i think so if like for me i know that abstinence is the only way mm. it's like it's all or nothing with me. Mm, um, yeah. So it's just not, even when people go like, how do you know that you couldn't drink normally? I'm like, would you risk it? Yeah. Like, would you, the 12 step program says yeah. like is, is an abstinence based program. And there are other programs that, you know, harm reduction and things like that. But for me, it's like, why would I, why? <laughs> Once yeah. I'm off it, why would I reintroduce that back into my life? It destroyed my life. It's interesting that there's even that pressure on you that it's any, that we do make it our business 
to ensure that other people are drinking. Like that woman's wed- the woman's mm. comment about the wedding. People get so angry about People it. People get so angry about it. It's really interesting. The comments yeah. I get. Really? Yeah. Being like, just have a drink. What's wrong with you? Like, wow. I don't know. I don't know if it's like a mirror. I don't know if it, and I kind of go, maybe these are people that have issues themselves and so therefore don't like yeah. that mirror held up to them. And so they're like, what, just shut up and drink. Yeah. Um, But yeah. It must be. Yeah. This, I can't think of any other reason why yeah. you'd want a stranger on the internet who'd made themselves better to make themselves worse. Like, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Doesn't, yeah. <laughs> the internet is a crazy place. The internet's <laughs> insane. Yeah. Do you ever worry that another addiction will come up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that happens all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I document quite a lot about my vaping journey. <laughs> right. Which yeah. we wouldn't really call it a journey at this point. It just sort of, that's the thing I'm doing at the moment. Um, and nicotine has been a real problem for me. Right. Uh, I think it was also a big problem for Matthew Perry. Um, yeah. My but... God, I was like really struck by his like smoking. Really? It's oh like my God. Three, and a, three packets a day no. or something. My dad was doing three or four packets a day at the height of, of his smoking. So, 20 yeah. packs. Yeah. But, um, but Matthew Perry would say like even he had his colon exploded because of the amount of opioids he was taking because he make you constipated. And he was in hospital for like three or four months wow. with a colonoscopy or whatever. Which is plenty enough time to kick a smoking, a smoking habit. habit. Yeah. But then the second he got out, he had a cigarette. Yeah. Wow. I find the smoking addiction really, really interesting because that isn't, you know, he had, he did have ample time to, to yes. not physically need it, but like mentally. Yeah. I feel like nicotine and- for me is like some weird crutch. It's like, this is my bubble. Or like coffee is the same for me as well. Like that's my thing. Yeah. So if you take my thing from me, what am I going to do? Who am <laughs> yeah. I? Like, what do I have in my life? Yeah. And my husband's like, just like get obsessed with yoga. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. You get you obsessed with me. yoga. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it's t- yeah. Those, those like protection, the smaller addictions that don't actually, it's also, they, they don't have consequences. And I know they have like long-term consequences, consequences with your health. Yeah. yeah. But with drugs and alcohol, it's like, oh, it's a mess. Yeah. 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 So they're, they're, I find those kind of addictions much harder to kick. And I, I've, I've gone through many. Because the stakes aren't as high. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not as urgent. And yeah. yeah which was my sense. problem with codeine right at the beginning as right. well. Was it was like, there wasn't really, no, all it was doing was giving me this sort of gentle buzz. Yeah. It wasn't ruining my life. Um, and so therefore it was, it was kind of, it was so hard to kick. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, I could just go back to that and it'll be fine. Mm. Consequence is quite a big thing. Mm. Yeah. I find yeah. it really interesting. Like the way that the psychology of things, like I smoked for 10 years. And I just decided to give it up one day. Amazing. And it was that mm. easy for me. Wow. I know. And it's really interesting now the more people I speak to with addiction and yeah. like listening to Matthew Perry about it. And it's just like, we do not have the same brains. There is mm. something fundamentally different. And it's like, yeah. I, I think we lack the um, empathy, particularly online, you know, the comments that you're getting from people. Like, and it's this willful misunderstanding of addiction where we can't see that just because something isn't the case for us that it wouldn't be the case for somebody else or that we can do it, so why can't they? Um, it's when a mother is, like, struggling with addiction and she's having to pick her addiction over her kids. Like, ask any mother. Yeah. I'm not a mother myself, but, like, this is how I had it explained to me. It's like, no mother in her right mind would ever do that. Yeah. So like, she's choose not in her drugs right mind. over her children. She's not in her right mind. Yeah. She's not well. Yeah. yeah. And we don't have the compassion for that at all. 
which is really depressing. But maybe like we'll get a proper diagnosis at some point. They're really they're connecting yeah. ADHD to addiction a lot at the moment as well, which is that I'm like, oh, are they just are they, a lot of the population just have a different brain? Yeah. And the other part of the population has this kind of brain. And actually this this section are kind of getting on okay because it's like it's – you can get through life with it. And this section are like, whoa, help. Yeah, like yeah, this is not coaches. working. Yeah. And especially um, in this like dopamine very heavy world that we live in, it's really yeah. – it's very – yeah, it's, it's like prevalent. It's, yeah. It's so easy to be get, an addict. So easy. Yeah. It's like more, 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 more yeah. in society. In Are meetings still a big part of your life now? I don't go as much as I used to, but I've been through like quite a big um, stint of therapy recently. So I've kind of been putting my focus on that. But like, yeah, I'm going to a meeting next week. Yeah. Um, so I'll drop in and out. My parents still go three times a, a week mm. and they're 15 years into recovery. So mm. I'm always like, and there'll be people in 12 step that will be like, don't tell people that yeah. they can't <laughs> not do three meetings a week. I'm not telling people to do that. My standpoint has always been do what works for you Mm. the most important thing for me is being curious and being a seeker in life so like I'm big on the Wim Hof method at the moment like right now oh we talked about that didn't we oh yeah I really want to do that I want to do do it it's life-changing is it just put ice in my own bath I don't need to make it my whole personality but (laughs) (laughs) jury's still out on whether that's gonna happen or not but we're good at that I know we're good at making random things things our whole whole personality personality. yeah (laughs) I'm not become Wim Hof I'm gonna hang out with you yeah make me Wim Hof start it in the summer though don't do it now because you will die because the I'll be bored by some no I'll have lost the fad will have gone by then I do feel like you'll understand because my, my husband was like I was like buy me an ice bath can we get an ice bath and he's like do a year of cold showers and I'll buy you an ice bath and I'm like oh have you done it no did he get your nice bath well no I, I mean as in I've still got six months do to go but I bath? never stick with things yeah see we did talk about yeah. this we could just put ice in our own bath that is a lot of effort I know I have a freezer get in the freezer yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> buy a chest freezer and just lie down in it no that's I've told awful. you that's my fear oh, my fear is like that I'll open a chest freezer and there'll be a dead body in it it'll yeah, be mine oh one. god <laughs> <laughs> but you can buy ice baths really like um, oh like three grand Oh, like the, oh, yeah. the really nice ones are. Yeah. You can buy like a rubbish one. Well, you could just buy a tin. Liv bar. Humby, you could just buy a, a barrel. Liv Humby keeps going in one and she keeps showing her discount code and I keep thinking, should I? But... No, look at, look at the state of you. <laughs> I know, Your baby the... will be like, ah! You can't do it pregnant, I don't I think. Don't I don't know. I'll look that up. I'll look that up. I'll be making slushies. I'm still like... breastfeeding. She'll be like, what the oh, fuck? Oh, Ice cream. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe Wim Hof's not for me. But like trying out crazy stuff. I, I have yeah. to, I, as you said, as Matthew Perry said, not to care, I don't, I'm not like the ultimate source of wisdom of Matthew Perry, but that he said, I have to like, to be okay, I have to just work really hard. Yeah. yeah. And so I just have to keep seeking those things. Like I did meditation, I've done spirituality, I've done, yeah. um, and I just take little bits of different things that work and make it work. And make it yeah. work. And, and I guess like, that's really nice, like making peace with the fact that you've got a brain that needs that. Because I think I used to think of addiction as like, you have to recover and be okay with exactly who you are and and your life and you don't you but actually it can be I think that's really nice to make peace with the fact that like oh actually my brain needs this like I can't seek those things in from that you know from that avenue because it's really destructive Mm -hmm. but I can find it in in healthier yeah you know less toxic forms yeah I think that's quite my friends just accept that about me now they're like like we all went to Croatia 
few months ago and I'm there doing like deep breathing and yeah. trying to do yoga and they're all like just Izzy's off doing her thing and that's fine yeah. or like they'll get involved as well which is great but you just have to seek those things that work and 12 step is part of that in my life but just not as rigidly as my parent but um and there's lots out there to help yeah and even more now with the space online that you are part of which is really oh. valuable i think it's really, yeah, really cool. cool thanks guys yeah. no, thank you thank you so much for coming to thank talk to you. us thanks for having me so interesting should i delete that is part of the acast creator network mm-hmm.